0: Sound logic yes. Two guys who... no credentials reviewing rolling stone 500 not... greatest album welcome back everyone and thanks so much for joining us once again here at the sound logic podcast and today we are discussing album number 102 on rolling stone magazine's top 500 greatest albums list This is the self titled debut from The Clash.
1: I can't tell if London's burning, but it has taken us a while to get around to this one. I don't know what it is. Like, we've both expressed before that we've got some punk in our formative music years. Um, we had a fun time with Dustin the last time we talked about The Clash, but for whatever reason, it's taken us... It's been a grind, just like getting this date on the calendar, first and foremost. And I, I don't know huh. if it's because we're not excited about it or because life just got busy this summer. But anyway, we're here now, and uh, yeah. I'm sure we'll have a good time, because <laughs> we always do.
0: We always, we always do, and I mean, this is, this is fun music, but Ben, we always, um, you know, we're both... We both have uh, younger families, and the summer, I think, we just have yep. a lot of other things happening. So let's let's chalk it up to that. Let's not make yep. it about... Um,
1: <laughs> it's not about the no, music.
0: No. Um, do you want to just jump into some details first? I would love before to. Before we get going? Okay, let's do it. Okay, The Clash, the self-titled debut album from the band with the same name, released April 8th, 1977, was written by... Joe Strummer and Mick Jones, who um, I guess if you don't know is my name, Mike Jones, um, but Mick is a short form of a mic, so uh, I just thought I'd throw that in. And I You're Mick something. Jones. I am Mick Jones, or he's Mike Thanks for Jones. clarifying um, that, Mick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nope. no problem. Um, uh, they wrote all the songs except for Police and Thieves, so those two, which I believe are the vocalists and guitarists. Um, and it charted uh, went to number 12 in the UK and went to 126 in the US, I'm going to talk about the US uh, in just a few moments as well um, certified to date the numbers say 600,000 so much much smaller numbers than some of the other albums we've reviewed uh, okay, this <laughs> this album was recorded and mixed <laughs> February of the same year, over three weeks, and cost reportedly uh, £4,000. Amazing. <laughs> like, you can barely rent an apartment in Toronto right now for $4,000. <laughs> um, so, that just perspective. Um, <laughs> even in 77, that was just peanuts to record an album. Uh, the album uh, wasn't released in the US until 79, so two years later. Uh, and it actually made it their second U.S. release because they had already done their second album and it was released right away so then they released this which was their second U.S. release um, and we see that it, it, it made the chart but didn't go to the as far up as the U.K. release did um, the U.S. version also included a significantly different track listing changing the track order and swapping out several songs for non-album tracks recorded uh, in the interim so there's always different reasons uh, we uh, By the time you get to the 70s, you don't have that as much. We have a lot in the 60s and certainly before that, where uh, record labels don't necessarily have offices in all over the world. So it's up to another, I don't know, another entity or sometimes even just bootleg people like the Beatles like just just other releases in other countries like it wasn't actually (laughs) the album it was like here the newest sound from the Beatles and there's just all these songs it's not actually the album Um, in the 70s we don't have it as much this is kind of odd that um, the album just doesn't get released for a few years But maybe they just didn't think it would be popular who knows Um, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's answers there but I just don't have them right now okay talk about the um, album artwork it's uh, as always look it up if you're not familiar it's um, it's a photograph, black and white. It looks like it's been ripped out of a newspaper. <laughs> it's kind of got this design, um, uh, and it's as if it's on a piece of green paper. So the background of the album is green. It's on the the edges on left and right, and at the bottom, the Clash and kind of block capital, almost um, comic strip type uh, lettering. Font in, uh, and looks as if it's been gone over with eraser, so there's uh, marks missing in in red, kind of a redy, kind of an orangey red, I guess. The clash, so that really jumps out. Um, couple interesting things about this image, uh, cool image. It's, it's like they're in an alley, okay? Um, so it's the three of them in an alley. Interesting <laughs> that there's three of them now. First thing I want to say is you you mentioned earlier that when we talked about London Calling um way way back in the day when we first started this because it was number 8 I think on the first list we had our good friend Dustin Wood join us. I I right. think the guy on the left looks a lot like a young Dustin Wood. <laughs> uh- yeah,
1: I could see that. Yeah. And it, I think they're like um they're posing in an iconic punk way too. the sort of right. tight tight pants tight jeans um some cool jacket with a popped collar and uh sort of not really smiling yeah too cool for this look with your legs kind of spread uh i dustin was in a number of bands that we chased around southern ontario when we were in high school and i I think a few of the album covers he was on he would have had a very similar pose to this
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's that it's not it's not happy. It's not sad. It's not angry. It's that very I don't care yeah. kind of yeah. uh, kind of look. <laughs> very yes, common. Exactly. Um, uh, okay. So the picture, the photograph, was shot by Kate Simon. It Was taken in the alleyway directly opposite the front door of the band's rehearsal um, building in Camden Market. In I'm assuming London. Um, now, drummer Terry Chimes. Though he was a full member of the Clash at the time, did not appear in the picture. He, is, he had already decided to leave the group. Wow. Uh, so, I guess yeah. It, from the time it was recorded to the time this picture had taken was taken, he, he had already taken off. <laughs> so he's he not passed. on the cover. Yeah, there you go. Right. Um, and another picture from the same photo shoot appears on the UK special edition DVD of *Grouse Boy*. Uh, released in 2003, which was was I guess uh, a documentary. I think the picture on the back cover of the album is a picture of charging police officers, shot by Rocco mccauley and that was taken during the 1976 riot at the Notting Hill Carnival, which was the inspiration for the track on the album called "White Riot." So even we don't often miss the back cover. The back cover can be equally as cool and interesting. So that's. Uh, both photographs so there's some background on the album cover kind of yeah you're right very uh stereotypical early punk <laughs> yeah cover of um, it's kind of what i would expect from a cover
1: but um, something that lingered like this is from 1977 yeah i um, yeah, think the the 90s punk and pop punk and christian punk that we were listening to would have still strived noise. for this vibe uh, yeah, you know, twenty years later,
0: and it's not a thing where you can say, "Well, it was everywhere." Well, no, it wasn't. Because you think about rock and roll with these aggressive rock and roll, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things, or or something very moody. No, it's like uh, you're right. It's very distinct, very, very uniquely punk. Love it. Um, mm. Okay, I mean, so,
1: just as you're saying that, like thinking about the context that. 1977 that's that's rumors that's steely dance yeah. asia uh, yeah. yeah this does not look anything like that right like this no. is a different kind of kind of vibe here um the ramones i, I guess we've already talked about their self-titled debut uh it was mm-hmm. just a, i think a year before but um because punk is still this fringy kind of thing that's kind of breaking through
0: and and as we as we move into the music you, you, you know you hear it in the production because you get yeah. you you get, you know, you get Asia. You get Flu Max rumors. Um, you get this polished, well-produced. Mm-hmm. You get um, you get Hota, California. I think around this time, right, like seventy-six, mm-hmm. seventy-seven, or something, somewhere around there. Um, so, but they also had the budget and the and the um, the notoriety, the experience to to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. and these guys did <laughs> you know they had, they had nothing they were kids you know playing in a in a garage um, or, a, or a rehearsal studio or wherever they could you know uh, when we talk about you know like nirvana and garage bands and like it's it's a little easier in the suburbs of you know seattle or wherever in the midwest to you know just play in in a... uh <laughs> A substitute. It's a little different in, right, in right. the crowded apartments of, of London to you know just start a punk band without having the cops called on you so yeah it's a very very different um, very different idea um, and uh, actually actually as I mentioned that I read another note it said most most of the album was conceived on the 18th floor of a council high-rise on London's Harrow Road in a flat that was rented by Mick Jones's grandmother <laughs> Who frequently <laughs> who frequently went to see their live concerts? Can you uh, imagine, awesome. like a British Nana, in 1977, going to punk shows like this? <laughs> this new underground, probably very seedy uh, genre. <laughs> Gr- really? Granny's really? there. That's just awesome. And and then yeah, then the album was recorded over three weekend sessions. Uh, wow, so cool. Um, okay, so we got. We've got uh, 14 tracks. So, uh, typical, like we were, we often talk about kind of the sweet spot, like maybe 10 tracks, 12 tracks, and the time. But because it's uh, very common of punk rock, the the tracks are so short. Right. They actually, um, they they were almost done and they added more because they felt that it was too short so they had to add more songs <laughs> it's uh, still
1: 14 songs clocks in at 35 minutes which is
0: right? <laughs> pretty
1: incredible especially since they have a 6 minute song on the album the The, uh, the rest of it is, is all pretty pretty concise
0: <laughs> yeah um, yeah really I guess you know you get to the point also the tempo right the tempo of punk yes. rock is fast so you can get through like uh, a couple of verses and two or three choruses in a very short amount of time because they're going so fast, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about these songs, Ben. And and first, I want to know, we're familiar with punk. We listen to some punk, although not as much as we might have thought we did when we were younger, as we're discovering through listening to this list, and not some of the more iconic um, you know, forebears of punk rock music. But had you listened to this album before?
1: No, this is new to me. And I expected, since it was on this list, that I'd know a few songs um i think i think just one track maybe white riot is is one that i think i would have heard of before um it was pretty new to me uh considering it was their breakthrough debut and yeah um, you know I, I actually think i shared that uh, uh an apartment i lived in after college had a copy of london calling left behind and so that, <laughs> sort of by accident I discovered that album, but right. this one I, I think maybe because of how familiar that one was, I sort of assumed oh yeah, another Clash album, I'm sure there'll be some songs here, and nope
0: nope, um, not really I, I'm, in, I'm in the exact same boat, except I, I didn't have a copy of London Colin left behind <laughs> in apartment. had but you I'm... heard
1: uh, White Riot or any of the other tracks, has th- anything seem familiar? Or... I know no. it's got a sound that no. seems familiar in general, but
0: I want to say something though about the sound and really it's more about me um when you say uh sex pistols ramones and you know, bands like that i expected to hear something like this when you say the clash i'm really you know um when i think of the clash and my experience listening to the clash mostly on radio is you know uh calling um train in vain rock the casbah it's more getting it's more in post-punk right post-punk going into the 80s right so yeah so this although this is their roots and this is how they started and and then they evolved into that which is a little different this is not what i think of when i think of the clash um and that all has to do with my ignorance uh and my inexperience listening to their music so there's nothing to do with that but i guess that's kind of what we were like when you hear the the radio like even today they play the clash but they don't play this right they play that other stuff
1: i think the clash in my head at least draws in a little bit more on um reggae ska some oh yeah sort of like caribbean vibes that i don't hear as much this you're right this is a lot more straight up ramon style punk rock here on this album and I, i wasn't expecting that either
0: you do hear a bit of the reggae in this um, a little bit yeah a bit in the baseline some um, some up
1: yeah some uh, some up chords i don't know if there's a technical name for it but that that ska style guitar i guess um, i think
0: they're called upchucks.
1: Uh, yeah <laughs> no i don't know <laughs> i <Seriously?
0: laughs> no, uh, no. gonna lean no, in there no. I would have bought it. <laughs> i'm so bored in
1: the usa is the one that uh it might I, I was drawn to that song for some reason but i think that one in particular has a bit more of like a it's uh, so they're playing with timing a little bit more there. It's a bit more melodic. Uh, yeah. Something else happening there than just the three-chord punk. Huh.
0: Yeah, I also noticed, and I and I read as I was reading, you know, different reviews and just overview that there there is a musical diversity here. Another thing when we think about punk and early punk, this whole idea, and and it's mostly true of, you know, it's it's guys who couldn't play instruments it's guys who wanted to make a statement it was it was about not being polished that's the whole thing and that might be true for some but it's not it was not true for the whole thing and then, and then you get people who are talented who maybe start that way but then find hey i really have a thing and maybe take some lessons or just have more experience and get better so um, I find when i listen to punk old punk rock i have that idea in my head that these are people who are real musicians who don't know how to play their music and i can't yeah. shake i can't shake that uh, i guess that idea was put in my head way back and and i can't really shake it because it's not it's not always true i think it was true sometimes mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i think the sex pistols were more um, kind of like that where, where they were, and it was really like their whole thing was just a big screw you to everything that they weren't you know to to the music industry to government to everything. Um, these guys it's a little different there's still all those political ideas are there there's very it's a very political album. Um, If you can, it's probably best if you read the lyrics uh, because I find it hard to get them all, and it doesn't sound like you know someone's reading a a political uh, agenda or you know some some side of manifesto (laughs) the way they're singing it. But some of it's pretty pointed, and they're talking about you know events and um, the government. One song, I uh, I think, career opportunities. I, I hate the RAF and at all this mm-hmm. stuff but, um the royal air force uh yeah so anyways sidetrack I me mean, sidetrack <laughs> it's okay i guess it's all about the band it's all about the band we're talking about this time which is a that's right uh an improvement from other other conversations um <laughs> anything that jumped at, i said I, I know you said i'm so bored with the usa um yeah jumped out at you um
1: yeah there's a little riff in there the um that kind of caught me a bit by surprise something about Protex Blue um, which I didn't think much about the lyrics but that that song also uh, a little bit outside the the rest of the album Um, it's it still sounds very punk rock but it's got like a pace to it that I don't know is a little bit more frantic or something like that it's scattered kind of uh stood out to me uh, as well um that that six minute track is uh one that kind of sticks out uh, i was interested to hear you say that it wasn't one that was written in the same way as the rest of the album because it's six minutes you know almost <laughs> right <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah twice as long as or three times as long as some of the tracks and yeah. uh yeah <laughs> and not necessarily put together in the same way but it it's uh, it's got an interesting vibe comparatively too, uh, quite a bit slower pace than most of the other songs. Um, so there are a few here that, that do like separate it, you know, from the the what sometimes feels like repetition on the Ramones or Sex Pistols albums. There's a little bit more diversity, but maybe not as much as uh, I found with London Calling
0: right i would agree with that um should we sort talk about should we pick our two favorite songs sure at this point um if you're new we have a playlist on spotify called sound logic favorites we pick two tracks for every song every album that we review and put it on the list so uh you can go check it out there's it's an extremely extremely large and diverse playlist at this point <laughs> um so we're gonna add two more there ben do you have a favorite is it uh
1: i think i'll go with i'm so bored in the usa yeah. uh,
0: i thought you might say that or maybe white ryan um i think it's one right
1: okay to say <laughs> I'm just being a little facetious here. I haven't dug into it enough, but it did make me think. Like, man, I wonder if skinheads have ever adopted this Uh song. It's like a a refrain. Um, I I don't know. Again, we're not lyrics first people. We apologize. I'm sure there's something really cool and punk rock and subversive about it. But uh, uh, yeah, it's a funny, funny name.
0: Um, I'm gonna go with career opportunities. Uh, i like Uh, the i like the the snare stuff that's have the double hits on the snares um i love the bass work on all this album um it's a lot of it's 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 a fast-paced moving bass line um you know more than i would expect on, on again my Stereotypical idea of what an early punk album would sound like. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you get that reggae influence, walking bass line, uh, it doubled like do 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 stuff like that, right? But you get you get even more than that too. So it's good. Um, yeah, career, career opportunities. I like that one. It's a good one. Perfect. It's, it's different. There's like different things happening in it. Um, yeah. I feel like this album's growing on me like when the first couple times i listened to it i was like yeah okay it's an early punk album i get it okay, <laughs> okay all right you know like yeah but yeah. Uh, the, you know but the more i listen to it like i see there there is there is quite a lot happening here there's more mm-hmm. more than i i think i realized on the first few listens so i'm i think i'm gonna yeah. have to return to this um i don't know what
1: what it is about this genre but i really need to be in the right frame of mind i've got it in my headphones right now i'm really enjoying it more so than i remember uh (laughs) leading up to this conversation but I had a similar experience recently, where like I was really just craving uh, Five Iron Frenzy, this oh, wow. Christian Scott oh. band that we listen to a lot. And uh, oh, I think boy. I saw a Facebook ad that they have a new album coming out. I was like, Really? What? They do? And <laughs> um, so I really? I went to their their Spotify and listened to some of the old stuff that we used to listen to. And oh, I don't think I ever got to their newer music, but
0: uh, you didn't pull out some old CDs there, bud.
1: Um. I might have, you know what, I might have done that. It, uh, I, I don't remember the <laughs> particular <a> few. <laughs> day if uh, our youngest had stolen the iPad uh, for his podcast, but he might have, uh, and I might have pulled out some actual um,
0: physical is. media. Yeah, <laughs> physical media. It's weird that that's the thing. Um, oh, man. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. Now my brain's just swimming with the... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um... <laughs>
1: Time and space, like Plays of the Girl. I don't want to have this on in the background while I'm relaxing. I could see, like, try to, you know, put it on while I'm on a really intense bike ride or something like that. <laughs> sure. to kind of Grind up the hill.
0: and oh, man. Grinding up the hill. That's why I don't bike. I don't need that. I don't need that. Um, okay. Uh, I could, yeah. Or maybe, like, got the earbuds in when I'm vacuuming. Yeah, uh, yeah. So get definitely. in those corners. Yeah, um, yeah. I find that a lot of people, okay, like, I guess when I say people, I mean my immediate family don't really enjoy this type of music. So, I'm trying, <laughs> <laughs> um, I I've, say I've, people <laughs> specifically the three people I live with. So, um, I probably wouldn't listen to this too often. You know if it's not in headphones but no it's sure. uh, it it's it's been fun coming because as you said that there's a time in my life when I i just love this kind of stuff now we we weren't really you know it was before a little bit before the days of streaming and things like Napster so we um we weren't exposed to this stuff but we were listening to the punk um you know third wave punk in the in the mid to late 90s so I there is still a soft spot for stuff like this. And there's still part of me that does, like you said, it does kind of crave it from time to time, just this kind of energy and idea. And I think the one thing I forget, and it was actually good listening to this and reading some of the lyrics. I forget that there's, there's a strong and important political message in a lot of this stuff, even something like the sex pistols. I think a lot of times they kind of get dismissed as like, you know, immature and rash. Um, but there's like, Important messages there, um, yeah. And, yeah, and and at times like well thought out and formulated, you know, and even mm-hmm. if it comes from a place of of youth or anger, you know, it doesn't mean that it's not valid. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not important. It doesn't mean that it's not still relevant today. These voices are really relevant. It's our right, you know, as the as the boomers retire and the Gen Xers get closer and closer to that, and as us millennials and gen z's start moving into places of power it's, it's these young voices that are really really important so mm-hmm. um yeah it's still relevant i guess i'm skipping ahead but that's uh I,
1: no i like that and i i mean i think i think we need that reminder that music can be that i think we've talked a yeah. few times about our somewhat surprise at the lack of protest songs that have come out of the trump administration um And maybe they're still being written maybe they're maybe they are out and i just haven't haven't heard them in the right context um as as much as i think i i would have expected this moment to to bring yeah um so being reminded that music can be used in this powerful way um even if it's not actually making a difference in the world but just letting someone vent almost in the the way that that Peter talked about um certain certain elements of metal where you know just space for me to let go and my life is really terrible right um yeah there's something about that that I don't want to let go of or forget about or um think it doesn't exist it still does and still is present in a lot of music that's out there it's just not necessarily music I'm I'm engaging with right now,
0: right. That's that's the thing, you know. There's some some of it you have you have to seek it out. You have to seek it out. Um, it right. doesn't necessarily fall in your lap. Um. So moving on. Okay. So we we talked a little bit about the relevance. Maybe I'll I'll toss it over to you, Ben. What um. What has aged well here, and what hasn't aged well
1: um i think it is more about the the attitude that i want to continue on uh and using music as a way being reminded of the way music can express thoughts values opinions in a powerful and emotive way um i i think it's actually pretty nicely polished album um some of the guitar work is a little fuzzy but the bass sounds great like you are saying the, bass uh, does sound good snare anything wrong with a snare it um, sounds it sounds pretty well produced for something that cost $4,000 and was kind of thrown together um and I think that's aged pretty well I I'm assuming I don't I'm not really into the punk scene these days so I'm assuming music just like this is still being created and and shared yeah and, played in in certain punk spaces I, I don't i don't know what those are but <laughs> yeah. i assume if, if there are still punk bands out there, there. i'm yeah still still happening
0: <laughs> um yeah i would agree with you um i was thinking that uh many sounds and ideas in general many sounds and, and musical ideas from early punk rock I believe have every surfaced over over the years and I think you could go to any decade uh, since this came out and find a part of it in across genres mm, yeah, uh, good at point. any given at any given time I think I think you know you know obviously there was more there was more punk and post punk in the 80s in the 90s you get you get punk and grunge you know you get mm-hmm. elements of this and grunge you get in 2000s you get into you know um, bands like The Strokes and The Hives, and, and other bands that that lean and even into the the you know more recent years, you get you get acts like this is an act I really don't don't prefer, but an act like Machine Gun Kelly, who, who is mm-hmm. kind of blending uh, pop and punk and indie. Yeah, and good stuff point. Is, is popular. I, I, I'm not really a fan at all, um, but. You, you hear you hear elements of this in music throughout the last five decades that's not necessarily punk rock music. So I think in those regards, um, it's very, it, musically it's relevant. Um, in terms of the image, we talked about the image <laughs> on the cover. That's, that's yeah. and you, you still find that i would it's funny that you talked about production i would say production quality is the only thing i think not not necessarily to say that it's bad but the type of sound that we hear Mm, yeah i think you you would hear something even into the 80s much clearer uh, very different sounding there's a very thin sound um
1: it's very stripped down too they very stripped down much with layering
0: Mm -hmm. I think if you did something like this today or even 30 years ago, it would be, you know, extremely obviously intentional. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas this, I don't think was necessarily intentional. I think it was due to the resources they had. Um, Right. I, I don't think it was like, oh, we could do something that sounds... Totally different or quote better, but we've decided no, I think this is like this is the sound we have or the sound that we want or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, they didn't have the resources of, of a Fleetwood Mac or <laughs> or a Stevie Wonder who was right. produced, you know, I think Songs of the Key Life was around this time, right, seven, right seven, around the same time, yeah, you know, so so they didn't have those resources. So you get this sound, right? And again, it's not a bad sound, it's actually for 4,000 pounds is quite a good sound, yep. <laughs> Um, yeah. it's really good actually um uh, but but I think it it is it does date it and I think you wouldn't really hear something that in terms of in production terms would sound like this and I think if you did hear this on the radio um, something sounding like this not not the not the the music but just the whole mix I think it would sound out of place so that mm-hmm. would be the only thing and that's not again that's not necessarily. And I don't know 100, but that's not necessarily a choice that they made. Um, it's just circumstance, right? right? So um, that was the thing for me. But but so many other things, yeah. I think I think are still relevant. I think that punk rock, um, although it's been you know popularized at times, you know, it's been mainstream at times. I, I I think it's it's it has a place. You know, you can hear punk rock whether it's this, whether it's you know. Some forty-one or Avril Levine from the two thousands, or something a little more recent, like I said, Machine Gun Kelly. Um, you know, it's 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 around. It's always been around. <laughs> from it never really totally disappeared, even at times when it wasn't mainstream or wasn't popular or whatever, right? Okay, so we talked a bit about uh, how it's aged. Um, I think we got. Uh, I probably said more than I need to there Which is typical of me <laughs> um, We come to the the Ranking number 102 yeah. uh, Ben How do you feel about this ranking now I wanted to add That London Calling Had originally been number 8 And moved down only to 16 This was originally 77 Then 78, then 81 And then on this list drops down to 102 So um, you don't have to comment on any of those things, man. Just give me a little context. But how do you feel about the ranking here? At a hundred, hundred and second greatest album ever.
1: I, I mean, I guess this makes me want to ask more questions. Like, it, it's amazing that an album made for four thousand pounds winds up here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the awesome. Test of time.
1: But uh, I, I listen to this and find myself wanting the clash that comes after this right the, the album i know better the one that is ranked higher on this list um and so to me this is not great this is the clash before they became the clash that i want to listen to and so i okay. i guess I, I these are the moments where i wish we had a real expert telling us like yeah. here's how this changed music yeah. here's, here's how why. this here's you why you broke broke the mold and here's why it it, it is here because to me it's it's too high it's uh it feels like what I felt like we got a lot on the 2012 list, which was albums placed there for their impact on the industry rather than greatness that has stood the test of time. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's not uncommon for me to hear Fleetwood Mac's rumors being played at a college party on a lawn somewhere in our town in the summer. It's still great enough that, that young people think it's worth listening to. Um, I don't know why this is considered great if it's just for the impact or if it's actually still feels great to people And maybe those two things are, are the same thing for for some folks they're different for me and i I feel I struggle a little bit with that dynamic too
0: yeah that's I, I feel some of that struggle as well I I I don't know that I personally need this to be at 102. Um, yeah. and I, and I struggle with why is this, why is this so good? What, uh, is it just the influence that just, you know, a, a another paragraph in a, in a music history book? Um, is that why that's here or is it actually good and significant and important to people? Um, I mean, I guess in some ways all that doesn't matter, but, but in other ways, <laughs> in other ways it really does. Right. Um, and right. yeah, like, I guess that as you said the clash that i've been experienced uh, exposed to and maybe a lot of people is is not this version of the band it's the version that comes a few years later and you know it's the london calling train in vain stuff like that i don't need it to be this high um i, I think it's great like you said i think it's great that it's this high but um in some ways i feel that when you get outside of the <laughs> the top the top 100 or even the top 50 maybe it's kind of like okay well it's all just kind of it's all there right it's all important it's like <laughs> right right you know it, we, we could split hairs about you know the top five albums here are we going to split hairs between what's 100 and what's 150 i i don't know so it's or, and maybe that's not fair but <laughs> at the same time like um it is important it's an important album um, it's important for what built up this band to be what they were. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've, um, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Insert uh, Senor Chang um, quote there. Senor Chang, can you do something about this? I'll allow it. Uh, okay. Um I guess that that brings us pretty much to the end now. the only thing we did talk about um London calling is number sixteen uh the debut is at one o two. They have one more um sandinista I don't know if I'm saying the right sandinista Sandinista. exclamation okay. mark from nineteen eighty comes in at three hundred and twenty three that one had previously been four o seven so that's bumped way up hmm. <laughs> so. Interesting. Uh, uh we'll talk about it again, you know, in like five years. Uh when we get that far. Um that's
1: where Outcast is from, right? No, that's the- <laughs> Stanconia.
0: <laughs> great great poll. I like it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Um no, I think you're thinking about um Sublime. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, that's oh boy, it's getting okay. late. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> uh, Any final comments, Ben? Or we no, said, I think we it's said fitting it
1: here. To, to, we've said it all. Yeah, the, to have a 36-minute uh, album and to have our review take about 36 minutes—there's hey! something poetic about that. Uh, <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this review. Um, Ben, would you please tell us what we're listening to next week?
1: Yeah, we we continue through the triple digits here. Uh, number 103 on Rolling Stone's 2020 Top 500 album list is Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul, which, as you may remember, is a band Mike saw live once at a family-friendly festival. Um, I'm sure we'll... <laughs> <laughs> uh, have some good insights based on that experience. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. One of the very few bands on this list that either one of us has seen yep. live and, and um, uh, timing was good because one of one of the members is no longer with us. So we'll talk about all yeah. that and more um, next week on the Sound Logic podcast. Uh, in the meantime, we hope you continue to be well. We hope you take care of yourselves and those around you, those important to you. And we certainly hope that you'll join us next time right here on the sound logic podcast thanks for listening everyone do take care if you like what you hear subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review send us a message
1: at our facebook page on instagram or through our sound logic podcast twitter feed thanks for listening